Welcome to Getting to the Top in 10 Minutes. My name's Scott York, businessman turned podcast host. This is where we get to look back and reflect on the conversations that we had with our guests on being at the top. A business podcast where we deconstruct successful business owners and working out how they got to the top. So, this week, our guest was Andy Bounds. Let's look back and reflect on all the good things we can take from his interview and implement into our business right away. Now, we recently sat down with Andy Bounds, international sales trainer, author, travelled the world, training thousands upon thousands of people in sales. And his methodology of ABC, and as we talked about, it's not the one, the song, ABC, and it's certainly not the shitty sales manager uh, analogy or thing he does to motivate you, which is always be closing, but he talks about the afters, the building of certainty, and the closing of business. So we're going to go into that a little bit more and discuss it. I'm then going to just touch on email and proposals. Often we are writing our emails in such a bad way that it really, not only does it not do anything to have the uh, the audience or the person re- receiving that email impressed by us, but actually as a negative, because we just, you know, we write them so badly so often. And then proposals. Equally, there's a thing Andy talks about, which is a thud factor, which basically means the harder it hits the desk, the better it is, which is a load of nonsense. Proposals should be concise, clear, I personally, when I see a large proposal come to me and it's got multiple pages, it turns me off right away. So what we want to make sure is we get all the good stuff in there without boring the life out of uh, the person receiving it. So how do we do that? So we're going to discuss those three points. As we've talked about on multiple times, if we don't sell in business, we're not going to survive. In fact, our business will die. And effectively, if you don't sell as a person, and you can't put food on the table, you may also die as well. So how do we make sure that we don't get ourselves into that predicament? Well, Andy talks about his ABC. So let's just look into it. The A standing for afters. Now, what are afters? Often as a salesperson, we're so focused on the check or the commission that we're going to receive from actually closing that deal or the pat on the back from the sales manager or the boss, or how close is it going to get us now to actually beating or achieving our targets. And our decisions, our advice can often be clouded when speaking to a client. We are now thinking from our perspective and how we benefit versus what the client's really going to benefit from. And that's a big problem. The focus has to be on how the client is going to benefit. So when Andy talks about his propositions, when he talks about his proposals, his emails, his presentations, or his one-to-one discussions, he is always focusing on the afters. How is the client going to benefit from these suggestions? Now, I would arguably take it a stage further because sometimes I believe clients actually don't really know what they want. And as we've already established, we can't exactly look through other eyes. I would urge you to start thinking about a proposal or a presentation or a keynote or anything at all through the eyes of a third person. 
what that basically means is if I were having, uh, if I were to sit on on a presentation, I have no interest in the success of the salesperson selling or not. I'm purely looking out from the client and knowing what they need and knowing what they want, making sure that they get it over in a concise way. How do I make sure that both parties benefit? Now that third person view allows you to take any of the emotion out of the whole process as well and literally look at it from a results perspective. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. How do we get results? Often clients think that they want a particular outcome, they think they should be doing it from a particular uh, angle, but they're basing that purely on their own personal knowledge or what someone at the pub told them or what another person told them. And sometimes that's not right, it's not accurate. Versus the expert who again sees it through their way. Often I'm speaking to financial advisors and it's funny how they're always no matter what client they're going to, they always have their favoured sort of uh, financial proposition or they um, always prefer to use the one provider of a particular investment, yet they're supposed to be impartial. And that's because it's so, th th they're so difficult to actually constantly research the marketplace seeing all the different propositions whilst advising that particular client. So they basically get the ones that they like and they then tailor them to suit clients. And again, whether you're sitting down with a uh, sort of digital media company, that can always be the case as well. They have their principles and philosophies that they use and sometimes they don't know any better. So they don't want to go with the expert or the supposed expert. We don't want to just be going with our own opinions as a client based on what our friend told us, we need to be very impartial. We need to have someone look in on it as an expert, but also having the client's interest solely at heart. So the third person view is, a is the best way to actually get that there. So are you thinking about the afters? There's a great saying that I use from time to time with our salespeople, which is the client doesn't care what it is, they care about what it does. In other words, they don't care that the smartphone is small and compatible and has some apps on it. They care about that it gets that, it's communication. It's a gateway to freedom. It's a gateway to all these apps that can add so much value to their business. It's going back to features and benefits. We need to be talking about the benefits to clients. So, always, always, always be thinking about how the client is going to benefit after this. So if you're sitting down with a client, negotiating some sort of proposal, pitching your services, are you just beating them over the head with features or are you explaining to them in a simple and concise way how they are going to benefit? how much money they're going to save, how easy it's going to make their life, how much pain you're going to take away from them, or if it's something more physical, like a personal trainer, how you're going to get them to the best shape of their life. Afters, make sure we're focusing on it. Now, Andy Bounds then talks about certainty and building it. 
So the B and the ABCs is build certainty. Now that there is sort of the evidence and the proof that you've done it before, clients need to feel confident that you can indeed deliver on what you're saying you can do. Now, recently in one of my businesses, we've took on a huge undertaking of 100 client testimonials. That is whereby we bring or invite clients into our office to carry out testimonials and what their experience was. One, of dealing with our sort of sales consultants, two, the company and the, the sort of back-end staff. And now that they've got the particular product or service in place, how do they feel that they benefit? Do they feel peace of, do they, do they have no peace of mind? That allows us to build certainty in future clients that we can indeed deliver on what we say we can. But it might not necessarily just be interviews, it could be just proven examples of things working in the past, but you have to make it, you know, someone who's a buyer as well, I always look at these examples that I see online and sometimes I, I have, particularly the written ones, uh, the written recommendations, are they real or are they false? So video these days is becoming the thing to do and so video testimonials will build much more certainty for a potential client than a written testimonial, albeit written testimonials are still worthwhile doing, particularly if it's on like LinkedIn for example. Th they're much more difficult to fabricate, so therefore they do carry a bit of clout, but written testimonials on a website, I've seen it a thousand times over in the consultancy world, they are fabricated or th they're up there for years and carry no real weight. So building certainty with clients, show them how you're actually going to do it and how you've done it with them, how you've done it for others in the past. Finally, closing. The ABC, First of all, afters, B, build certainty. Finally, we have closing. Now, bear in mind, closing doesn't always mean close the deal, get the check from the client. Closing can often mean getting to the next step. So there is times whereby I am not able to get to the ultimate decision maker in the line of work that I do from a consultancy perspective. If we're dealing with a large organisation, we may need to first of all impress some of the senior management team before we get to the ultimate decision maker. And that is whereby I'll do some closing on that senior management person. If we're going to go in and do some sales consultancy or do a review of the marketing, I'll go in there, I will first of all have in mind how the client's ultimately going to benefit, I will show them ways in which I've done it before, and then the closing may be get their commitment that we're going to arrange another meeting. But likewise, if it's just a client-to-client -client, uh, sort of um, negotiation process, it might mean to actually get their commitment on it that they're going to sign a contract. But you have to, you can't leave it open-ended. There must be a next stage in place, and you have to mutually agree on that. So again, you've dealt with a senior management team. It could be one person, or it could be a multiple group. Um, it's, you know, it varies depending on what line of business you're in, but getting a next stage in place is what Andy means when he talks about closing, or actually shaking the hand of a client and getting a deal done, commitment, order signed, agreement signed, contract signed, whatever it may be, but getting something in place. Now, ladies and gents, if you cannot do this, you must learn. You need to understand, and if you're having difficulty thinking about, well, what afters are in my life? You know, when a client takes my product or service, what are the afters? And if you need to write them down and get a script in place, then that's exactly what you need to do. If you need help, sit down with someone close to you, 
maybe not necessarily in the business, and actually discuss it with them. Sit down with a past client and discuss it with them. Or reach out to myself and we'll discuss it together. But you need to look at the afters. You then need to show them how you've done it for other clients before. And then after you sit down and do those things, you need to get some level of commitment. A, B, C, afters. How do we do it? For me, I would always rather deal face to face. So I will, well, first of all, I believe in my ability so much that I will travel and commit time and money to get into somewhere because I feel when I'm in front of someone, I'll have a much better opportunity to actually doing business with them, to impressing them, to really getting emotional with them and showing them that I care about this proposal or I wouldn't be there. So often this ABC formula is, um, it can be done in different ways, but ultimately there's going to be a time you're going to have to send proposals to clients. And um, Andy again spoke about when you've had that initial consultation, be it telephone, face-to-face, Skype, Zoom, etc., um, and you're going to do a proposal for them, proposals can often be done in the very worst of ways, which not only, as I say, is don't have, an, don't have any impact on the client, but they're also going to have a negative effect for your offering because they're so crap, that there's so much jargon in them, and you have to get to the good bits. You have to get... So, the easiest way to actually do that, that Andy is excellent at, is agreeing with the group or the client beforehand what is to be contained within the proposal. It sounds so bloody simple, but yet we don't do it. You know, we spoke about how we copy and paste our proposals from the previous one, and Andy's had conversations with people where he buys says, and did you win that one? And, and they say, no, they never won that proposal, yet they're using the same proposal to get the next, and it bloody makes no sense. So when you've had this fantastic meeting, really engaging, built up a great relationship, and they say, right, I'm going to get something sent over to you, but let me just ask beforehand, what would you like me to contain within the proposal? Clients might say, well, just a rundown of the services you're going to do again and the cost. That way, you don't need to put in there a map of your offices. You don't even need to put in about us. Andy spoke about clients then, when they get that proposal over and they remember that you asked them what you wanted to contain, they don't then go, oh, well, it's not got this in it, but we, we did agree. So the, the client knows in advance what to expect, and if there's something not contained within that proposal, then arguably it's their fault because it wasn't agreed at the outset. Andy spoke about how he himself has won business solely off of that discussion, that sentence alone. And actually, when he told me, out of the hundreds of proposals and conversations that I've had, I have never actually been asked that. What would you like me to contain within that proposal? So make sure that you agree beforehand what clients want in the proposal. And then when you write your proposal, follow the ABCs. The title of it is not proposal. It is, as Andy says, how to sell more in Belgium, if that's what the client wants. If it was something to do with digital media and if I'm looking for a new campaign for the business about Facebook, can I get a Facebook expert in here and we say I need to sell more and get a better engagement level on Facebook, 
and he sends me a proposal or she sends me a proposal that says proposal for FYI for your information or you know some crap uh, title I'm going to be turned off right away whereby if he said or she said Scott the proposal title is Scott York's brand building more on Facebook or how to build Scott York brand more on Facebook or how to get more leads for Scott York brand on Facebook I am instantly going to get to the solution or get the solution I'm looking for. It's clear and it's concise. And that there is what you need to do when you're doing proposals. But then follow the ABC formula. One other one that we spoke about, which were emails. Um, so you need to send your proposal over to them. I would encourage you instead of sending them in the post to get them done by email because your proposal is a way in which you can stay, you know, normally they will then filter that proposal to uh, other team members, but the email that you send again is another way of just getting that other little punch in there uh, to get the work. So, again, follow the ABC formula, the title of your email or the subject line. Don't do proposal as discussed which, by the way, I've been guilty of myself, up until, you know, having the podcast with Andy, of course. But don't, don't dwell on that, don't fluff it up, get to the point. So again, proposals that I send out now are, for example, if I send it to a potential new guest, which I am pursuing for the podcast, I may write, after having a conversation with them, how to build your brand in the UK by using being at the top podcast. Instantly, bear in mind the people we, we sort of interview on the podcast and have conversation with are all about getting more attention and more awareness. It might very well be that. How to get more uh, attention by appearing on being at the top podcast. That might be the way to go. But clear and concise. A follow-up, as I'm, I'm reading some notes there as well, we spoke about the intro. How many times have we positioned ourselves below our guest, our audience? Thank you for your time. I appreciate it so much. I know how busy you are. And Andy says, don't be anyone's bitch. We are partners in this whole discussion. We are equal. So make sure that the wording and the language you use also does that there. So... It was a pleasure meeting you. I enjoyed our conversation. Not thank you for your time. I know how busy you are. Or, you know, something where we are appearing to be, you know, underneath it. We're looking up on our um, guest or our, you know, the person that we're dealing with. Make sure we're on the same level. This is a partnership. Believe in yourself. Have confidence. Equally, for anyone doing business with you, you have to have a confidence that they're going to be much better off after dealing with that. Let that confidence show. Don't be arrogant, but let it show. But again, as you kind of complete the body of the email, make sure, as I say, you're following the ABC afters, building certainty and closing off. And a closing off of an email, bear in mind we're sending the proposal by email, but a closing off of the email may very well be, will, will be a call to action of some sort. So do not end it with, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me and call me or email me back with, you know, no. If you can either, one, 
agree to it, and we'll proceed with, uh, you know, with X and Y. Or, if you have any questions that you want to discuss, give me a call on such and such and such. So, two options. Either agree to it, or call me. Don't let it sit in your mailbox forever. Don't do anything else. Agree to it. Send me an email back saying you're happy to proceed. Or, do this. Or, say to clients, finish it off maybe with... Now, after I'm going to give you a week to think about this particular proposal, I'm free to come back out on either Monday the 3rd or Thursday the 5th, if that works right, the 3rd, 4th, 5th. I'm free to come out on this date or this date at either this time or this time, which one would suit you best and we can discuss the proposal and get something put in place. Call to action. Finish it off, close the deal, close the next stage. So just to summarise on things, we have the general ABC model, afters, build certainty and close. We then have proposals, make sure they're clear and concise, don't fluff them up, but follow the ABC formula. Finally, when you're going to send that proposal over to someone by email, make sure that you put a call to action at the bottom, that the body of your email follows the ABC. In the subject title, make sure that it is also clear and concise and to the point. So they should really just be knowing that Scott Ewart is the consultant that they're going to speak to who's going to make them or help them sell more in Belgium. Because I've said it on my proposal, I've said it multiple times in our conversations initially, I've said it on the email as well, I've done a clear call to action at the end of it, they're blown away. When you are pitching up against the rest of the competition, who will no doubt not be doing this, but because that's the way business operates, quite often our sort of um, expectations drop, we just accept whoever we kind of feel is best. When you put something that really blows the competition out the water, it will stand out, people will recognise it, and you will get more business. Don't do it you're probably going to fail, or you'll keep getting the mediocre results that you maybe be getting right now. A great saying, if you keep doing what you've always done, you're always going to get the same results. So give it a try, test it, see what works, change it about. As I say, this whole getting to the top in 10 minutes is about taking out the good stuff, which I feel is worth talking about in a bit more detail. But if there's anything else out there, but just do something different.